is Gathering Christ, and I'm Andrea Lindsay, and today I have a special guest with me, and um, hopefully a repeated one. We're going to see how things go. This is uh, Kendra, Kendra Mac George. I'm going to put your main name in there. Um, she's laughing. I can see Hello. You guys can't see this, but, but she's laughing. Okay, so Kendra and I go way back. We go way back to mission days and i think was i your second companion you were my second companion yeah yes the second companion usually is the one that like throws you for a loop so you're like i thought i knew what missionary work was about and then this woman shows up and no oh same with you. I you were my so Andrea was my longest companion and the one I learned the most from. I would have to say, um, but we had so much fun. Yeah, we had so much fun. There was there was a lot of interesting things that happened in our area. Like that was a very we were in Vermont. Um, it was cold. It was the winter. We spent the holidays together and. I remember one time I was like, what happened? This week is terrible. This is this is just a terrible week. Like all of our people we were teaching just dropped off. They didn't want to talk to us anymore. And and like no one wanted to talk to us when we were attracting. And like it was just a really rough week. And I was like, I do not know what's happened. Things have been really good. And then it just didn't. And then, and then Kendra... Kendra, do you want to tell them what you did? Well, I was just being a good missionary and praying <laughs> for trials and challenges. I was being grateful for them. So Andrea had to teach me. That wasn't the wisest thing to do. I was like, hey. pray for trials. Trials just come when you try to do what's right. Don't ask for more. I will be your trial. I was so... It wasn't experience. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. You definitely got what you prayed for. That would. That I know. Oh, I know. I was so confused. I was like, "What in the world? Something's odd." I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't. Okay, everybody that's listening, we do not need to look for trials. Like, no, it's right, and opposition will come. It will yeah. just come, and my. Dear friend Kendra, we've been talking for how long? We kind of got reacquainted like a couple of years. Jeez. It's been a couple of, yeah, it's been yeah. a couple of years. So we just decided that we were going to reconnect and it was, has been so much fun. And we've been talking through all of these amazing things. So Kendra, I'd just love for you to introduce yourself to, and, and so that my friends can get to know you and they, you can be their friend too. She's definitely a woman of faith and she's done, she wouldn't admit to this, so I'll just tell you. I mean, she's done a lot of things that have shown her faith and her devotion to the Lord and she's a wonderful person to share this experience with. So I, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, I grew up in Salt Lake, served a mission with Andrea and we were in Utica, New York mission, um, got home and actually married one of my district leaders. So that's kind of fun. We have five kids. We live in the Seattle area. 
All of them are older now. My kids range between 22 and 13. So we've been busy. My husband served in the military for some time, spent a lot of time as a single parent in some ways. I teach early morning seminary right now. That's my calling, and I love it. I have always loved teaching. I think I'm really passionate. I've I've been thinking about this because I've been learning about my life, like trying to figure out my life purpose, right? Is there a life purpose that we haven't? And um, some of the things that I've been thinking about is why I do what I do. And I think I would agree with Andrea. I, my Christ is my moral compass. I was the weird girl who, if I had a substitute in school, I was like, well, I don't want to be here. I might as well go to seminary. So I was the kid who slept classes to go to seminary like three or four times a day. I was the kid who wanted to be at every fireside, who wanted, like, I couldn't get enough. I love teaching. I love especially youth. So seminary is a perfect fit for me to be able to help them gain that testimony because I, I, it's just meant so much to me in my life. I don't know. What else, what else do you want to know? I'm not, my life's not that exciting. I do think it's pretty boring. Oh no, it's plenty exciting. It's plenty exciting. I would, I would say, you know, for our listeners that are thinking, wow, she started dating on the mission. I think you need to clarify a little, give us a little bit more info about that. You were so good. You were so good. And you handled this so well. And I think, you know, our other listeners might be able to help their children through similar challenges because we do get to talk to our kids every week yeah. and this might be a really important thing to share and i think you did a great job with it well i the i did not go on a mission to find a husband that was not i actually i went on a mission because the spirit said go on a mission a mission was never in my plan and i think that's a really good lesson in and of itself that you have to be willing to accept the answer yes or no when the spirit is speaking to you because Unless you're willing to accept either answer, uh, it's a lot harder to fill the spirit. So I went through a quite a experience just even getting on the mission, praying, saying, should I serve a mission? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but please say no, please say no, please say no. Right. And as soon as I actually accepted the answer that, okay, I really like, I'll go if you really want me to, the spirit said, go. I did not go on a mission to find a husband. I, I, solely went on a mission because the spirit said that's what you need in your life and that's that's where you need to spend that time um i actually met my husband he was my it was actually after i left companionships with andrea and went to my second area my husband was my district leader in that area and we served around each other for three months and it was just really great our that district was just really close we all just were really good friends then he got transferred and went to his last area. I had been out for six months. He only had three months or six months left when we met. Served in the same area for three months. He left, went to his last area, and then went home. I still had six months left by the time he went home. And so we wrote letters and corresponded. And when I got home, he came to my homecoming and... We did a long distance relationship for he was at BYUI and um, or Rick's at the time and I was in Salt Lake. And so 
it was a great experience um, to still be focused on the work and know kind of like that wasn't the focus, but that was always kind of in the back of my mind of this is a really great person. And I actually loved being able to meet him on the mission because I really got to know who he was as a person. There was no pretenses. There was no trying to impress. Like you saw them, you saw their testimony, you saw their heart and then corresponding through letters and things. It was a really great experience. I think it was something that was valuable for me to really know who he was as a person and not have any of the other distractions when you're dating in the way to kind of build that foundation first and foremost. Not recommending you go and find a spouse on your mission, but I think it's just a testimony that when you're following the spirit and you're doing the right things and being obedient, you're blessed. And that was a big blessing. Was I supposed to go on a mission to meet my husband? Who knows, right? I don't know. It was a great experience all over. And it was just another testimony that following the spirit, you're right every time. You won't you won't be led away and you will be blessed for doing it. So, yeah. And you counseled with the mission president about that. I did. Yeah, I was very upfront. I was like, I kind of am liking this guy. Um, what do I do? And the mission, President Evans just said, you know, you just keep working. You keep working hard. And if it's right, it'll work out. And that was it. That's all I needed. I was like, okay, right now, the more obedient I am, if this is a potentially optional option, <laughs> then I need to I need to be consecrated as a missionary so that if that blessing is available for me, I can receive it. Yeah. And then in case there's any listeners that aren't members of our faith, we do not date on our missions. Like right. we're completely focused on the work, on teaching, and we leave that part of our life really at home. And um, so when these things, it's a little unnerving when these things yeah. happen because you're just like, oh, what do I do with this? Like, I don't even know what to do. And so, you know, when we counsel with our mission president and and now that we have the option of talking every week with our parents, we have that guidance as well. You know, the Lord will make sure that right things work out. And and so tell us about your family. How many children? Like all that kind of stuff. Our listeners. Okay. Okay. My oldest is she just got home from her mission a year ago. Um, she served in Tempe, Arizona, Spanish speaking, loved it, had such a great experience. She is now at BYUI studying business. And then my second son just returned home from his mission um, in April. So my daughter left December and then my son left April. So I had two missionaries out pretty much their whole missions aside from the last like six months. He served in Washington, D.C., North, Spanish speaking. So they have the fun of speaking Spanish in front of me, and I have no clue what they're saying. That's mm -hmm. fun. We actually went on a family trip to Costa Rica earlier this year, and it was so awesome to see the missionary opportunities they got because they spoke Spanish. And these people in Costa Rica were so impressed. These white kids could like speak as well of Spanish as they could. And my son is, I'm, I'm five feet. My son is six, four. And so he's just this towering hunk of humanness that is just so sweet. Um, and between the two of them, I, it was just, it was awesome to see how the Spanish is serving them in all areas of 
being able to preach the gospel or bear testimony and have these missionary opportunities. It's so cool to watch. Um, I have a third son who is leaving for the Philippines in November. He will be there. Then I have a sophomore girl and I have an eighth grade boy. They're all busy. We're a wrestling family. All of them, except for my oldest daughter, wrestle. Um, even my my fourth daughter or my second daughter, she loves it. It's We are a wrestling family. If you need any wrestling support, I can, I'm there. I, I love it. In fact, I'm so sad because my daughter, she uninvited me to tournaments this year, and they're my favorite. I'm like, I hope she changes her mind because I might just have to sneak in and let her know I'm not there so that I can be there because I love it so much. So, yeah. I won't anyway. ask what was <laughs> It makes her nervous having us there for tournaments. So I get it, right? That's yeah. understandable. And we do, we get nervous. Life is hard, presents us with lots of challenges. And, and that's really what's brought us together today is to talk about incorporating the Savior Jesus Christ in those challenges and how we do that and what that looks like. Because I think sometimes, and I was reminded by a sweet cousin of mine, that we 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 sometimes say, oh, you need Jesus in your life, but you don't know how. How, how does that look? What is that supposed to, how am I supposed to access that? How do I know that he's there and and building that trust and that relationship. I, I found this quote that I just loved that is very helpful in understanding. Um, and this is a quote that was given by Ezra Taft Benson. The Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of the people and they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. I think that really kind of sums up the direction of what we want to do, because we're always talking about prophet declarations and talks on this podcast. And how do we incorporate them? What does this look like? What's our experiences with it? So that we can lend support to the fellow, our fellow disciples that are trying to do the same. You know, it is hard to fight the worldly trends. As you can see, they're, they're juxtaposed. They're complete opposite. They do not function well. Do good things happen with the way that the world does it? Sure, absolutely. But permanent change happens when our natures are changed and only Jesus can do that. He's the one that made that possible. And it, it's much more complicated. You got to read this talk by the prophet. Was there impressions or a quote you liked? And we're talking about the talk in this past general conference. That yeah, Jesus Christ is the answer. Any quote from that that you, you liked or stood out to you? So I want to go back to what you were just talking about for a minute, because there is a talk by Elder Keith R. Edwards from October 2006, and it's entitled That They Might Know Thee. And he quotes Romans. Let me get the reference here. The footnote is Romans 8, 16 and 17. And it says this, 
The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. together. And then um, Elder Edwards, he says, Now lest anyone go looking for hardship and suffering, that is not what is taught. Rather, it is the attitude with which we approach our hardships and trials that allow us to know the Savior better. And I think the key word is attitude, and that goes along with what President Benson's quote was, right? It's the attitude. Christ can take us. The world puts us in the slums. Christ can take us out of the slums, but it's our attitude towards the slums. Are we wanting to let Christ take us out of the slums? And I think that's a really important concept is so much. I feel like, you know, most of our all of our power comes from our agency and comes from the atonement. Right. And our attitude plays into our agency. Our attitude plays into are we going to accept the atonement? And so when we're talking about is Christ the answer to everything a lot of it is where's our heart and where's our attitude on it? Because if our attitude is, yes, Christ can take me out of the slums, change is going to happen, maybe faster, maybe not. But our faith in the process is going to be easier. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. We need to we need to trust the Savior. And then we, we need to know who he is. We need to know that we can completely rely on every prompting that we're getting because it's a line upon line understanding. We don't know everything when we begin. And it, right. it is something of a process to to figure it out. And I've been trying to make changes and I prayed a prayer that, wow, this is a prayer. If you want your life turned upside down, this is a good one. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, don't you make fun of me for my prayers I know I know I, I'm I'm getting on there I'm telling them that I'm just as just like Kendra where we are two peas in a pod but I prayed I prayed this prayer and it was I don't know what else I'm supposed to get out of my life like how to sift through the rest of it so maybe you just need to bring the opportunities I'm supposed to have and it will squeeze out the rest was something like that and i've been squeezed i have been juiced do like you, i was gonna say do you feel like I an orange holy <laughs> moly i am like what in the world like i did not know that you could be squeezed and stretched so much but in the process of doing it i'm starting to see okay my focus and my priorities have had to adjust a little bit. How I utilize my time has had to adjust a little bit. And then I'm surprised how much it's reaching out to friends and family members that's been coming in. It's like you kind of neglected your your friendships, your family. You need to be more involved. And it's actually happier. Like it's it's not... A worse life. My house is messier, but like I have more, more of a rich feeling about my life. I feel like I'm doing what I should be doing to grow. Mm-hmm. And it's 
I know I haven't perfected it or mastered it. I'm in the juicing process, mm-hmm. just not just not handling everything perfectly. But at the same time, I'm okay. This is what we need to do. And sometimes my promptings lead to a situation where I'm in the squeeze. Okay, and I want to talk about like one of those. I I saw that they were getting ready for my thirtieth school reunion. Okay, like my thirty year reunion. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I know tons of people. I'll start inviting people. And I'm like, invite, invite, invite. Before you know it, I'm a top fan. And I'm doing this invite thing on Facebook and sharing. And these sweet people that are organizing it, I just made a mistake, actually. And the mistake is I invited the wrong person. I thought she was the right person, the right uh, Lynette. And, <laughs> and it wasn't her. It was, oh, no, it was the wrong one. And and this poor woman is going to go, I did this high school 30 years ago. And I didn't have the power to fix this mistake. I I had to go to an, an administrator to fix it. So that led to this conversation. And I just like, I'm real sorry, but I invited a person. And you're probably going, who is this person? But she was in my friend group. But I later found out at the reunion that she had gotten off Facebook. And so that's why I had been all confused. But anyway, long story short, the next thing I know, I'm on the committee and I am helping find my classmates. And, you know, it's a few hours here and there led to a few more hours here and there and making lists and doing things. I was having a good time. Like I wanted to help. I wanted to find my classmates because I didn't want one person to feel like they weren't valued, you know, that they weren't important or that they were forgotten in some way. I just... I hate that. You're important. Whether or not you felt like you were popular or this or that in high school, we are what made our high school experience great. You know, we are the ones that we, everybody matters. Everybody has something they contribute that without them, it's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, like we fix them. Well, I'm doing this. I'm trying to make this short, but I'm from Idaho and everyone knows it's hard for Idahoans to keep it short. Okay, so like we are like it's genetic, I think, because we had to sit on the tractor for hours and hours and do mindless work that it's we just had to keep drawing on the story. So anyway, okay, I'll try and add a few. I love you. Uh, I'll uh, I'll try sum up. Too much will sum up. Okay, so That's- here here. I'm doing this and this is kind of important and you know I have work responsibilities I have family responsibilities and a couple of those exploded um right before this reunion was supposed to take place and they were both of these fires had to be put out by me I couldn't delegate it now I'm in the squeeze. What in the world do I do? I felt prompted to help with this. And now I'm lacking the time to do it. And of course, every time I get into one of these situations, the first thing I do is pray. Because I got to pray out all of my frustrations. I have to like tell him everything that's going on because I need him to calm my soul and help me to see my way through this challenge. You know, I'm willing to do work. But I've got to get out all this angst and anxiety about it. And so I was praying, was really trying to to figure out what to do. And th- there was no way around these other things. And that would take weeks 
to fix it. And it would all happen. So I had three major events. I had a bridal shower, a wedding, and a seminar for work. And the reunion, and they were all within, they would just hit every weekend. And I was going to be a major part of all of them. And it was too much. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Henry Father, you knew. You knew this was coming. Okay. Why would you prompt me to do something that I'm now failing out miserably? And there would be people that would be nice to me and say, oh, no, you did fine. No, I did not. Like, I totally bombed. But, <laughs> and I was like, I would, was not pulling my weight on this committee at all. And, 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 but they would be really super sweet about it. And uh -huh. yeah, they're just being sweet because I bombed. And this is what the, this was the response I got. You were not involved in high school. Uh, because of that, it injured people. And now you need to repent. Uh -huh. And I was like, <laughs> dang it. And yesterday I had to do, I was doing a podcast with um, our friend Tammy and, and Tiff um, with, it's the Sunday to Monday podcast that does uh -huh. and we were talking about the principle in hebrews where it's the lord chastens those he loves yeah and i was asking for the correction i was asking to see things differently because i knew that my present understanding was crippling me yes when i found out that that's why I was like, okay, I know I'm going to do a lousy job, but I'm going to be there. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to give up on this. And everybody, yeah. other people came and helped fill in for what I was lacking. But I share this because it's not lacking in mess when we invite the Savior in. He's helping us with our mess. You know, like we're the right. fallen ones. We're the ones in the fallen world. We're the ones trying to climb out of the situations that sometimes we were part of the creation of it and sometimes of no fault of our own. Right. And we just have to like deal. And so yes. I was to hear any personal experience from you of what you have done, any impressions really. I don't want to limit you, but like I, I would love to know how you've invited the Lord in and how he's Man, so this morning I was listening to a meditation. I, I really love meditations. It just centers me and helps me get my intention of where I want to be with the Lord during the day. And this during this morning, one of the phrases that I was doing a guided meditation, and one of the phrases was, I am perfect in my imperfections. And I love that because I think it goes along right with what you just said. We are not, we are imperfect people. We will put ourselves in situations. We will be in situations where life is not perfect. And are those imperfections and those weaknesses and things feel like they are tenfold and everyone is seeing them and they're on a sign like blazing, like, you are weak. You are weak, right? Like, I can't do this. But we are perfect through Christ. If we, the first thing you did was prayed, right? I love that because the first thing you did was 
go to your knees and say, I may have brought this on myself and you're teaching me something, but you're also allowing me to realize where I need to grow and that any imperfection that I have can be made perfect through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, through his power, through his grace, through everything that that happens. And I think over the last two or three years, I, I feel like I've had this story in my head of it doesn't matter what I do or how hard I try, I will never be good enough. It won't ever be successful. And that's a really hard story to have. And I always just kind of expected, I guess, Christ to just come in and just because I've always had strong faith that I just maybe made the assumption that Christ would just make things right as I just kept being obedient. And over the last few years, I've realized there's a lot more work that I have to do. There's a lot more mindset and thinking of things in a different perspective, seeing things from a different perspective. One of the things that has that stands out is I, I deal with chronic back pain. I ran a 10K in 2008, and for whatever reason, my sciatica, something, anyway, I ended up on having a fusion in 2015, still experiencing some pain, and I just always was, why why me? Why is this still happening? I had the surgery. How come it's not getting better? It doesn't matter how hard I pray. It doesn't matter how many times I feel like I'm talking to the wall. Doesn't the Savior love me? How come I'm being ignored? No matter what I do, it doesn't work. Like I was there. I was victim 100%. And the things that I've learned in the last two years is getting out of that victim mentality to become a creator and to become a creator with Christ and recognize that Christ is always there. He is always the answer. But we have our agency and we have our responsibility in it. The Lord is always there. And I think about the atonement and how, so I was studying this as well in the 1928 Webster's Dictionary in the word suffer, if you think of Christ saying, suffer the children to come to me, right? Well, one of the definitions in the 1928 Webster Dictionary is allow. And if you change, allow the children to come to me. When Christ suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane, he allowed himself to suffer for our sins. And all morning when I thought about this perfections by perfections, I don't even remember what I just said. The imperfect, like my, I'm perfect in my imperfections. Am I allowing the Savior to make my imperfections perfect? Am I allowing, he allowed himself to be suffer for my sins. Am I allowing him to help me be perfect? Am I allowing him to get me through my trials? And I think it's having that perspective shift and changing that mindset of, I'm not a victim. I generate joy in my life. I generate the attitude. And am I doing that of allowing the Savior to be the answer? 
Because I think so many times in my life, I've just expected him to be the answer. And he will be the answer, but what work am I doing? If anyone who is a member of this church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, thinks that they can just have things happen upon them without doing any work, we are crazy. (laughs) Because this is a faith-based gospel. This is an action-based gospel. And we can quote scripture after scripture. Faith without works is dead. You know, what I mean, so many. I can't even think of all of them. Faith is an action. Joy is an action. It's things that we generate in our life. And if we want Christ to be the answer to everything, we have to allow him into our lives. From President Nelson, from this talk, he says, whatever questions or problems you have, the answer is always found in light in the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Learn more about his atonement, his love, his mercy, his doctrine, and his restored gospel of healing and progression. Turn to him, follow him. It seems so easy, yet we make it so hard. And it's we make it hard because we just don't allow him to take root in our hearts and in our, we just, we want it just to happen, but we're not willing to do the work and the effort that it takes for him to really be there because he's always there. But I think as a parent, are we just like, here, kids, you're just amazing. And whatever, no matter what you don't do, we're just going to, no, we we don't. If my kids don't want to put in the work, I am less likely to be like, I always love them, right? But when they're putting in effort, I am way more willing to be like, oh, I'm right there. What can I do? How can I help you? I see that you're working hard. I see that you're exercising faith. How can I make this easier and better for you? And sometimes it's, you need a struggle. And we can save that story for another time on an instance that I had with one of my kids during COVID where that was the answer, was that he had to suffer. And I had to stand by and watch. And it was the worst experience of my life, but I knew it had to be done. So I just talked a whole bunch. But I I, I think it's that allowing. It's the allowing and the attitude of, are we allowing Christ into our lives? Because he's always there. But I think we we don't recognize it as often as we should. And we don't allow it to happen into our lives. So that when we do go through these hardships, if we're allowing the hardships to happen, we're allowing Christ to help us. So some things that you've mentioned that I think are really important to emphasize is that we can't be victims. We have to be agents. We have to use our agency to make choices. And we have to get rid of wrong thinking patterns that are blocking us from that. And that is allowing Christ in. That is taking the slum out of us and we're taking ourselves out of the slum mentality. We have to be the ones that are inviting him in, but he also wants us to work. And sometimes that involves suffering, but the suffering is making room for something. It's making room for more of his spirit, more of the gifts of the spirit, more of the abilities that we're seeking. And it it wasn't like this, I didn't need to get extra help to accomplish everything that needed to be done. And while I didn't have to do a whole lot to make this wedding go up, I had to be there during a time where we were swamped, absolutely swamped. 
I was praying for gifts of the spirit to be able to have enough energy, to be able to see things that needed to be done, taught to people that needed to be taught to so that they knew that I cared about them, you know, that I'm sorry I didn't pull my weight. And I told I told the committee, I'm like, I'm sorry. I was really struggling with anxiety in in high school and I just didn't get involved. And I know I didn't do the right thing. And so I just want to help now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry I didn't help sooner. You know, and they were very like, okay, that's great. We'll take care of you know. And they were reaching out, doing ama- amazing things with people. And I was just like, so, so touched by the experience. It was a highlight. It was a highlight. And I would have missed it. See, if I hadn't have been involved and been encouraged to stay involved, I wouldn't have gone. It would have been so easy not to go. And I would have missed huge life altering perspective changes that happened, you know, mm-hmm. and unique. That's what Heavenly Father's trying to give us. He's trying to give us these life altering perspective changes. This is a quote that's really, really old, but it's been reused in the church. And so I I know it's still good. Um this but I love to get things from the original sources so that I make sure I don't take it out of context. So from the original source, this was given in the Millennial Star in eighteen ninety four by President George Q. Cannon. And this is a way that we invite the Savior into our lives. Like, this is a mechanical way that has spiritual impact. So, if any of us are imperfect, it is our duty to pray for the gift that will make us perfect. Have I imperfections? I am full of them. What is my duty? To pray to God to give me the gifts that will correct these imperfections. If I am an angry man, it is my duty to pray for charity which suffereth long and is kind. Am I an envious man? It is my duty to seek for charity, which envieth not. So with all these gifts of the gospel, they are intended for this purpose. No man ought to say, oh, I cannot help this. It is my nature. He is not justified in it for the the reason that God has promised to give strength to correct these things and to give gifts that will eradicate them. I love that. I when I read that for the first time, I was like, "Where is this quote been my whole life? Why in the world am I just seeing this now?" It was in a priesthood manual. That was probably one of the reasons why it missed me. But but, and we can see why they've now correlated everything. So it's like everybody's together now. We all need to be learning these the same stuff. There is there is so much strength in understanding his doctrine, like the prophet you read his quote. That's one of the things. If we want to understand him, we need to understand his doctrine. Mm-hmm. And his doctrine is that of reaching out, of service, and and to get rid of the ma- natural man and woman tendencies, which are to be selfish and kind of inward, you know, and right, and and to be, and which I was fighting before. But here, Elder Orson Pratt of the Quorum of the Twelve also said about spiritual gifts: spiritual gifts are distributed among the members of the church according to their faithfulness and circumstances, natural abilities, duties, and callings, that the whole may be properly instructed, confirmed, perfected, and saved. And I just think like our families are ways in which the Lord has given us to get gifts. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't know how to help this child, but I can get a gift. 
that can help me get the insight that I need to help this child. You know, like, I don't, I don't know what to do in my calling, but the Lord will grant me whatever gift I need, right? Like Nephi, he's like, I will go not knowing beforehand that things... It's messy. Life is so messy and it's a process and it's a, it's good. So what other impression thoughts would you want to leave with our listeners? There is Elder Worthland gave a talk and I believe it's small little things and it was a BYU devotional. And I am totally paraphrasing here, but it is fantastic. And the thing that I loved that he said in there was, we have been given everything that we need in order to grow into, like the Lord has given us all of the characteristics, all of the spiritual gifts, everything that we need to progress and make it through this life. And I think of an oak, I think of an acorn. And if you think of the acorn, the acorn has everything. It has all the DNA, everything that it needs to grow into an oak tree. And I, when I read that quote, I thought, oh my gosh, this is so similar. It gave me so much faith and confidence that really Christ is the answer to everything. If we remember who we are and we remember that we are like that acorn seed that is going to grow into this beautiful oak tree, that the Lord has given us everything that we need to make it through this life. We just need to act and we need to allow him to be a part of our life to help us through the atonement and that through our actions, right? And and the thing is, is that we're going to germinate at different times. Not every acorn seed grows at the exact same time. And so using Christ with our gifts and and helping having him help us build the kingdom of God by helping other people because like you said earlier we are all unique we are all growing at different stages and there are going to be things that Andrea Lindsay is going to do and affect that are going to be completely different than what Kendra George is going to do then was going to be completely different as someone else right like we can all be teachers We could all, like, there's a million teachers, there's a million police officers, there's a million firefighters, there's a million, like, personal development, right? Like, Sunday school, I mean, whatever, like, whatever occupation you're thinking of, but yet, because we are all unique individuals, we have something to contribute and something that we can give. And when we allow Christ into our hearts to be the answer to everything, We magnify our calling as the unique individual human being that the Lord has designed us to be. And I think that's so fantastic and such a huge blessing for us to recognize and to say, you know what? It is what it is, right? Like I am me and the Lord has made me the way I am. And I have the ability to get all of the spiritual gifts that the Lord has blessed me with. I just need to ask and I need to allow. And I, and I think my biggest thing that I would want our listeners to remember is just allow Christ in. He allowed himself to be suffered for you and for all of your insecurities. Allow him to help you. Allow him to be your guide and allow him to be the answer. Because unless we allow it, 
we're making life harder for ourselves. And why, when life is already hard, do we want to make it harder by not allowing Christ into our life and letting him guide us the way that we need to be led? And I would I would just add to your counsel that the, from Alma 32, you know, even if you can only desire to believe what Kendra's talking about right here, like, let the desire work in you. Because as you see him start to answer those questions, your faith grows. And then eventually you just know, you just know him better because every time you let him in, it worked out. And now, you know, now your faith is dormant and you have knowledge that this is the way that it works. And, and so thank you for being on today. Like, thank you for your testimony, your wisdom and just who you are, I think you're such a remarkable person, and I'm really grateful that they can, that we finally figured out this text so that we can have you on. This I'm excited. Well, sort of figured it out. I'm sort of. I'm still working on it, and she has to leave to go teach piano lessons. She's all do, and um, I just want to say, um, I think I found the talk. You can tell me if this is the one that you were looking for. Little things count by Joseph. Yes. Worthland. Yep. It is fantastic. If you need some clarity on who you are, that is a definite worthwhile read. You will gain a ton of information from that. It's fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much again and enjoy piano and Thank you. see you again. Okay. Sounds good. All right.